Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to another episode of Dusty Dimes. Today's podcast is sponsored by Gotta Hockey, where you can't just watch hockey, you gotta play it. So today we're honored to have a Bill Campbell Award recipient, legendary Flyers and Phillies play-by-play announcer, Jim Jackson. It's gonna be sick, dude. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super <laughs> stoked. Absolutely, I, I am too. Super stoked. It's a, it's a huge week for, uh, for us here at Dusty Dimes as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. We have Mike Ruzioni coming tomorrow. Yep. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jim Jackson, how are you, Jim? Doing great. How are you guys? Good. How you doing, Jim? Doing, doing great. great. <laughs> so, thank you so much for uh, taking your time every week to come speak with us. Um, we're both huge fans of you, by the way. Well, I guess – Can never have too many of those. So <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what. It, it's one of those things that um, I guess being – my first question to you for being like a play-by-play announcer, you don't really have much room to mess up. How much preparation do you do before games? Well, uh, a lot. It's hard to really measure in terms of time um, because it, does uh, going to practice count? Yeah, I guess it does. You're there for hours at a time, obviously, when you go to the, the skates. Um, as far as actually in front of my computer prep time, uh, for every broadcast, and especially when we're playing a team for the first time, I would guesstimate somewhere in the vicinity of nine, ten hours. I mean, it's a, a lot. You have to do the rosters uh, for the other team in particular. You're pretty familiar, obviously, with the Flyers, but the, the other team's rosters. I do game notes. I do all kinds of watching of the other team's games once we get into the season. So there, there's, a, there's a lot of it. But, you know, the thing is, it doesn't seem like work to me, so – um, it really isn't like hard. It's uh, a lot of work, but not hard work. I like to tell people it's just uh, basically I, I love diving into a, a sporting event, whether it be baseball, hockey, football, huge football fan, whatever sport I, I'm doing and, and um, just dive into it and try to have as much information about the, the game as I can. And then uh, how much of that do I use in hockey? I probably use 10 percent of my prep, maybe <laughs> baseball, probably closer <laughs> to 40 to 50 percent because there's a lot more time to talk, obviously, in baseball. But. Uh, but uh, as Gene Hart used to tell me, and when it comes to hockey, you don't know which 10% you're going to use. So you still have to be 100% prepared. Now, Jim, touching on that, I, I read a thing on there, you know, about the 10% and uh, Gene Hart's big black book filled with stats. That's Can right. you touch on that? <laughs> yeah, he had uh, Gene back in the day, of course, no uh, computers uh, way back when, and then they were just getting uh, into the the lexicon when when gene was uh, starting to retire but uh, he he had this big black book which was humongous and um all kinds of stats and i would look at when i first came here i, I looked at it and i said gene i mean uh, i mean there's so much stuff in there you're not going to use all that are you there's no way you can he said no and i said well what percent and that's when he gave me that 10 percent number and he gave me that line. I said, but I don't know what 10% I'm going to use. And um, so it's, it's really good advice for young kids because you can't be too prepared for a broadcast. When, when I'm talking to young broadcasters, whether they want to be play-by-play or talk show hosts or podcasters or yep. whatever, um, I don't think you can ever be too prepared. And um, the three words I always use are preparation, experience, and perseverance. You're going to need those three business and, if you uh, remember to have them, always be prepared, get as much experience as you can, and you're going to have to have perseverance mm-hmm. because people aren't going to like your work. You're never going to please everybody. And uh, if you have all three of those going for you, you have a much better chance to be successful in this business. Absolutely. I mean, and speaking of Gene again, where he was worth the Flyers for 28 years, do you see yourself uh, surpassing him? 
I hope so. <laughs> That's uh, I, I don't know. I mean, this is my 26th, so um, I'm about to sign a contract. I hope it's going to take me past that. So I guess I'd, I'd say yes to that, but I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. This business is a, a crazy one, but I can't even relate to the fact that I've been here almost as long as Gene was, because when I got here, Gene was, uh, you know, his institution, he had been here pretty much from the get-go. He didn't actually broadcast the first year, so technically I think he, he – and he didn't broadcast consecutively on television because he went to radio for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, then came back and did his final two years on TV. So I've actually been on TV consecutively longer than anybody, which to me just doesn't even I, – I can't even put my arms around that. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. I feel like I've – I'm going to do it for a while longer. I have to get some kids through college, so I have to do it. But, uh, <laughs> Taste but the mean, bills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's just I don't, I don't feel like I've been here that long. But when I, when I think about it, I've now, with the Flyers now in their 52nd year, you know, the, the lockout makes it hazy because it's like 52nd year, 51st season, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, because uh, we missed that one full, full year. But I've, I've actually been here now as long as – uh, the time the franchise started to when I got here. And I just, that just doesn't seem right to me. It just, I, I can't, I can't uh, even figure that out, but I, it was brought up to me the other day, you know, Hey, you, you've basically been here as long, you know, half of the franchise's length. And I go, that's, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but time flies. I mean, it's, it's one of those things too. I mean, you're from New York and it, you're working in Philadelphia. How did that kind of end up happening? Yeah, when you say New York, I mean, I'm not in New York City. I'm from upstate New York, which is um, further from New York City than Philadelphia. I mean, I was three and a half hours away from New York City uh, by driving where I grew up, whereas obviously we're an hour and a half from here. So um, it, I'm from New York State. Uh, I was, although I was a New York sports fan of, of New York teams as a kid. So uh, in that way, I'm a New Yorker. But uh, there's a whole big, there's a big difference between people from upstate New York and people from New York City in terms of how they're brought up. It was a rural area. It was a, I had a graduating class of 73 in my high school. So, I mean, I'm not some big city kid, that's for sure. Uh, and, I, you know, I had a dream. I had dreams of, uh, of doing this from pretty much the time I can remember. I mean, I love sports from whenever I can remember. I wanted to play sports when I was a real little kid, of course. We all do. Mm-hmm. And tried and, <laughs> and failed in most regards. And knew that, uh, you know, my athletic ability wasn't going to get me here. So I had to figure out some other way. And um, it was either going to be through writing or broadcasting. And you got to do a lot of writing to be a broadcaster. So I'm kind of doing both. But uh, it, it, uh, it's a dream come true. I'm, I'm basically living, living my dream. So the fact that I had to go to a city that maybe wasn't my favorite city from a sports <laughs> standpoint, uh, really, it, it, the biggest problem I had with it was really my dad, because my dad, uh, we grew up uh, Rangers, Knicks, Mets, Giants fans. And um, he was a pretty passionate sports fan. And he did not like the Flyers. He, he did not like uh, Gary Dornhofer, who used to get in his Eddie Jockman's way all the mm-hmm. time. And Bobby Clark, who, of course, uh, uh, was as much a gamer as anybody in this sport. But when you're on the other side of Bobby Clark's slashes, you're not quite as enamored with him. And uh, Dave Schultz, who, you know, beat up Dale Rolfe and, you know, beat up all the Rangers back in the day. And it was really odd when I first came down here, my father had passed away, but um, I, uh, I ended up living in Bob Clark's house when I first got here. He had a shore house. He was actually working for the Panthers, but I, I actually lived there until I bought a house. I was working, obviously, with Gary Dornhofer, and I, I was pretty good friends with Dave Schultz, and I, I remember 
about six or seven months after getting down here, looking up and saying, please forgive me, Dad. Please <laughs> forgive me. <laughs> but you got to go where the bre- bread is buttered, right? So, yeah. Um, and obviously now, all these years later, I'm through and through a Philadelphian. So, um, you, you know, you, you can take your childhood with you and it's great to go back. But uh, I've now lived in the house I live in here way longer than I lived in the house that I grew up in. So um, I, I consider myself not a New Yorker anymore. That's for sure. Now, now, Jim, talking about your late father, you know, taking you to the minor league games. Did you find yourself knowing that you wanted to be a sports play-by-play broadcaster when you were a kid or? I did. Uh, I mean, my father would certainly, if you were around, uh, would, would tell you that because when we were at games, I'd probably break out into describing what was going on all the time. I remember we had season tickets to the minor league team, the hockey team. Uh, we had seats right behind the opposing team's bench about five rows back, which uh, led to some interesting things. Minor league hockey back then, not, not as civil as it is now. But uh, we we would I, I, we had this gentleman I remember his name actually Mr Hazelwood was his name he had the tickets next to us and um, my father was on one side and I, I was actually sitting right next to Mr Hazelwood and he would have to listen to me basically call the games as this kid all the time <laughs> I mean I wasn't doing it like with a tape recorder or anything but I was just as I watched the game I just inherently started saying and that's that and that's that I mean it, I, I probably drove the poor guy crazy but. Uh, um, that, that was where it kind of started. I mean, that, and, and just, I, I watched, I watched football all the time and, um, I was not too far from Syracuse where I ended up going to school, mm-hmm. but Syracuse sports up there was big. So I'd watch uh, orange uh, football and basketball. And, um, you know, it was, it was just, I just loved it. It was a passion of mine. I loved all the sports. I, I loved, uh, the Knicks back then, as I said, and, uh, baseball, for some reason, I didn't follow the Yankees. I, I followed the Mets, who were terrible when I was a kid in the 70s and then got good after that. But, uh, yeah, it, it was always my dream to, to, to be able to call that once I knew I wasn't going to play. So, and that came at a relatively young age. So um, it, was, it was a dream and a, a dream that came true. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of one of those things, too, before you came to the Flyers, you worked for Utica for five years, correct? Six, actually. Six. They, they were the Utica Devils. Of the American Hockey League, they uh, had been in Portland. They moved to Utica, and just as I was becoming sports director at a radio station, which happened to get their rights, a whole lot of breaks happened right there. And I ended up doing AHL hockey at like 23 or 24, uh, which is you know like doing AAA baseball right out of college. So it it was good. I mean, I I did every game they ever played. They I believe by count, including playoff games, they fell one game short of 500 games. I think they played 499 games in the six years they were hmm. they were around. But um, then they they moved and um, they didn't take anybody with them. So that was crossroads time for me. And I sent out tapes and ended up getting Anaheim job and the Flyers job kind of at the same time. And um, I, I wanted to come here because the Eric Lindros era was just getting underway. It was closer to home. I had some uh, relatives at that point who were, were ill, so it would be easier mm-hmm. for me to get back home. And there are a lot of reasons why I came down here. Obviously, a great sports reputation down here. So um, I, I came here, and I knew, of course, that the Flyers would win a Stanley Cup before the Anaheim Mighty Ducks at the time. <laughs> of course, it didn't happen. The Ducks <laughs> have won one, but uh, I'm still not by any means regretting the decision because uh, it's such a great if, – if you really are into sports, this is a great place to be. Are they over the top sometimes? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, we but can all it, agree with that. Yeah, but I think we can also all agree with the fact that I'd rather have passion and maybe occasionally overzealous passion as opposed to 
uh, laissez-faire uh, approach, which you see in some cities where yep. the fans, we don't care. They go to the games as social events. That's great. Um, but they don't really have that passion. Uh, I love that passion. So uh, I'm, I'm certainly not, even though I don't have that ring yet from, from the, the hockey side of it, uh, I'm certainly not regretting my decision to come down here because uh, uh, it's been, it's been a, a great 25, 26 years. I've seen some great players and uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's kind of one of those things, too. Are we able to touch on this season a little bit? Sure. Um, so I, it's, I have a mixed feelings with our coaching staff because we technically have three head coaches. I mean, do you see, like, a, a good type of spark coming from our team maybe this season? Or yeah, it was, it, I was surprised when, when a, a guy like Elaine Vigneault did that. I mean, it shows he has complete confidence in his own ability to have two ex-head coaches and, and long time and, and more than once head coaches at the NHL level as assistant coaches. I mean, a guy who wasn't secure in his own skin would probably not do that because if things go bad, you're going to have guys who obviously are, are obvious choices to replace you, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I thought it showed that, that A.V. has a lot of confidence in his own ability. Um, he had a relationship with Michelle Therrien from years ago when they were both in the Montreal organization as coaches. Uh, and Mike Yo's a super guy. I, I think that it, it's you, you can't um, have enough experience. So I think that the Flyers now have as experienced the coaching staff as any. Mm -hmm. oh, uh, and it, as long as, as those guys are secure in their roles and you know aren't trying to become the head coach of the Flyers, that's when it could get dicey. Um, I think it's a great situation. I mean, there's so much knowledge on that bench. And Ian LaPerriere, of course, still here. And he supplies tons of energy. And he's kind of the the conduit to the players because he's been with these players for so long, whereas all these three guys are from the outside. So uh, it, it's, uh, I think it's a good setup. Uh, so far, I like what I've seen from AV. He does seem to be a guy who will adjust to what he's seeing as opposed to sticking with some policy or some opinion that he had on a player ahead of time. He, he seems to me to be a guy who will let players kind of make decisions for themselves by how they play. And, and I'm all, always for that. I, I don't like it when I see, coaches or managers who label players and then that player has to do twice as much or three times as much as some other player to to get in good stead with that coach or manager um, as opposed to just uh, everybody being on kind of equal footing and of course it's easy for that to be the case right now because most of these guys are new to him except for Kevin Hayes so um, I mean he's he, you know for that it's probably easier for him as he's here a little longer. He's going to have those opinions formed. I know that that's natural. It's going to happen, but still in general, I get the feeling he's a guy who will let the players um, determine their own ice time with how they play. It's now, now touch Sorry, Mike, touching no, on that, good. touching on that, Jim, uh, do you feel that there's a different vibe from years past with this coaching staff? There's a different vibe, but there's always a different vibe mm -hmm. with a new head coach. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was completely different from, from Craig Berube to Dave Haxtell, certainly different from Peter Laviolette mm -hmm. to any of those guys, different with Scott Gordon, even last year after he took over for Dave Haxtell. I mean, yeah. every coach puts his own imprint on the team, has his own style, his own personality, his own way of dealing with things. So there is a different vibe. Uh, but there's a real vibe this year of newness to the whole situation um, because Chuck Fletcher is relatively new too, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, ownership situation has kind of changed with the passing of Ed Snyder in the last several years. And um, there's newness to the building, of course, with all the renovations going on at the Wells Fargo Center. And there's a whole bunch of, of uh, new players. If, if some of these young guys do make the team, obviously you also have some veterans in Niskanen, Braun, and Hayes who joined the team. So there's a lot of new. 
that's going on. So I do have a little bit more of that kind of feeling this year than maybe years past. But whenever there's a coaching change, you do feel a change. Yeah, there's a, they, they try. They wanted a different kind. Obviously, the change wasn't made um, unless there was a reason. And so they want something different. And usually a new coach will bring different factors, different atmosphere in. And, and AV has done that. And I'll tell you what, since we're talking about change, too, I mean, Kevin Hayes is, you know, he's a veteran coming into it, and he was playing on a line with JVR and Jake Borchek. I mean, yeah, that line alone is nothing but size. You have some speed. And uh, honestly, it would be great to see that line produce. And also, you see TK's line produce a little more, too. So you have the younger guys step up because you have the vets playing, you know, at their top of game. It's going to only make the younger guys play just as well. So, yeah, I mean, preseason is all about trying to find that chemistry within yeah. a line or a defense pair that, that uh, could mesh. Uh, I do think I've seen signs of Hayes and Voracek in particular having some chemistry, just knowing where the other is um, innately. It's not something they, they have to see where he is. They just know. And I mean, my son plays hockey at the junior level. We, I talk to him about this all the time. You know, once he's put with a line a certain a year or within a year, a certain practice, if lines are changing, I say, oh, how do you feel about these guys? Uh, these He knows, they know almost from practice, whether there's chemistry or not. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very strange thing in hockey because we're all about analytics now in all sports, but you can't measure that. You just, it's, it's not, not something that any analytic is really going to be able to tell you that chemistry issue between line mates. Uh, I mean, Holland Oates, what made their chemistry? One was a, a shooter, one was a passer, obviously, but the, it, was, it had to go well beyond that to make them one of the best best pairings ever in terms of offensively in NHL history. And um, you, I, I do see early on stages of that chemistry with Hayes and Voracek. And, uh, you know, you put that line together as it is. Yeah, it's big. They're, they're going to be a line that's going to be tough to get the puck away from those guys. And JVR is going to be able to pound pucks home from in tight. So there's potential there. Uh, Giroux and Couturier work very well together. They've worked well together with many different uh, line mates up there. TK seems to play his best when he's with that line. I'm not sure any player wouldn't because those yeah. are two great players. Absolutely. But that, that threesome could work. Uh, and then it's a crapshoot. The Nolan Patrick injury has really thrown things uh, out of whack as mm-hmm. far as the third line. And we're not sure yet whether they're going to go with a, a rookie as the third line center or whether they might move Scott Lawton up to that position. Um, and, of course, there already was an opening really kind of in the third third line in the right wing to begin with. So you might have two kids. Uh, Frost and Farabee have both played well. Rubsoff has been good. Carson Torinsky coming out of nowhere playing really well. He might be more of a fourth-line guy, but – uh, the, you know, the, the, there's spots there for these young players, and and they've still got a couple of preseason games left to try to earn those those uh, spots and maybe get themselves a uh, a trip to uh, Prague and be with an NHL team to start the year. Um, real quick too, and you know, speaking of young players, you know, we have Carter Hart in net, but for even young goaltenders coming into the league, uh, the one name that actually just came across my mind was Caden Primo, Keith Primo's son. He just had his first NHL win, and I mean. It's kind of one of those things seeing the young goaltenders step up too. Um, it, it's it's fun to see. You know, they expect you know Carter Hart to be the next Carey Price, and they said the same thing about Caden Primo. They're around the same age, and it's gonna be nice to see like who kind of, you know, how do I say it, ba- plays better than one another. You can say. Yeah, I mean Carter's got a little bit more of a resume than Caden, but I love. Uh, I mean Keith Primo is one of my favorite uh, ex Flyers now, and um, I've 
uh, you know, I know his whole family and, and they're such great people. And uh, it, I just love watching Caden have the success. But Carter Hart's a three-time WHL goalie of the year. He's, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's got quite, quite the resume. I think he's probably, at this point, considered a little bit ahead of Caden. But that's not to say that can't change over the next year or two. I, I will say that Carter Hart has done nothing to make me think he's not going to be the foundation of this franchise in that for many, many years. I mean, absolutely. And, and, and not talking about just his play, which I, I mean, his play is so good. He's calm in the net. His, his uh, positioning is elite and he's really working on this explosiveness. Um, and people like to say, oh, he doesn't, he uh, doesn't make spectacular saves, which is wrong. We saw some last year. Yeah. Uh, the thing is he's so good positioning. He doesn't have to make, as many spectacular saves, but he's certainly capable of that as we saw last year. So I, I have high hopes for him off the ice. He's even better mm-hmm. uh, if that's possible. I mean, he's just a phenomenal kid who thinks about things that I would never think a 20 or 21 year old could ever think of from a charity standpoint, from uh, thinking about others standpoint, um, just as a, a quick aside, I brought an ALS patient into the uh, flyers locker room for a practice last year. And after a practice, obviously and he, his favorite player was Wayne Simmons, who was still with the club at the time. And, mm-hmm. uh, so he set it up with Wayne, who was also great in these scenarios. And uh, Wayne, of course, as soon as we brought him in, just uh, made him feel like a uh, million dollars and uh, went, you know, spent a ton of time with him. All. Well, Carter hadn't even been briefed on this. He, he was just one of the rest of the players. But uh, this patient at this time was unable to talk. He uses his eyes. They have technology now where they can use their eyes and print out what they're, they're trying to say on the screen in front of them in the wheelchair. But, you know, and it's great that these people can communicate, but it takes a lot of time. Well, Carter came over and started talking and he spent 20, 25 minutes with this guy waiting on all the answers patiently and having this long conversation with him. And I mean, he didn't even know anything about this. This wasn't set up for him. It was set up for Wayne. And you just see things like that from Carter that uh, what he did, obviously, with his number, uh, Mm -hmm. autistic child in uh, in, uh, Everett, who saw his number when his first development camp was 79. So he went out and bought a Jersey. And because he saw that, that kid wearing that Jersey, Carter couldn't get rid of that number. He said it, it would crush the kids. So, I mean, who, who, what, at the time he was 19, 18, 19, when he made the decision to wear that number. I mean, who at that age is concerned about those things? I mean, it just yeah. shows you the maturity level of Carter Hart. So I have, I'm really high on him. And Caden's just a super kid too. You come out of that primo mold, you're, you're going to be a good person and you're going to be polite and respectful and uh, wishing well for him. Obviously he's going to have to bide his time a little bit with, with the, the guy in front of him up there, but uh, eventually he'll get his turn. And uh, I think he'll, he'll be a, a really solid NHL goaltender. And, and you know what, can we go back a little bit on the um, just the whole term of, you know, with Carter and I, I honestly didn't even know about the whole number situation where he where an AL, was an ALS patient. No, no, this was a, a kid who was a fan of the uh, uh, this Everett Silvertips, his junior team. He's, in fact, he's more than a fan. I mean, he's there all the time. He's uh, uh, by the team. He's always there as they're coming off the ice, wants to, you know, get the fist bumps and all that. Well, uh, he uh, was, he's autistic and he basically, once he saw a picture of Carter Hart wearing number 79 at his first development camp, they just give out those numbers in those development camps. There's no significance to it at all, but uh, Carter happened to get 79. So 
Uh, he, you know, and there were some pictures taken. There's a lot of attention to a potential future uh, franchise goalie in Philadelphia. So obviously there were a lot of pictures of him taking that development camp and they, they made their way out as things do now through the internet and through social media. And, um, and, and this, this kid saw that and, and went out and had a Jersey made 79 Carter Hart on it. And I, I'm not sure if it was a Flyers Jersey or not, or if it was an Everett Jersey, but whatever, it was a Carter Hart 79 Jersey. And so when Carter went back to play his junior year after that development camp and he saw that, uh, you know, when, when he came back for this next development camp, they were going to try to give him a little bit of a lower number. That's how it works. As you get a little older, as you get closer to being NHL ready, you get closer to an NHL kind of number. He said, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to stick with 79 because, because that, <laughs> that's I mean, awesome. Yeah, that's just unbelievable. That's just the kind of kid he is. So just such um, a big heart, with him. just such a big heart. That, that's, yeah, that's well, that I mean, that another one smile. is his name's Carter Hart. So Valentine's day last year, there was a class, uh, a school. I'm not sure where the school was, but, um, they wanted to have Carter out on Valentine's Day uh, because, you know, to have some fun with the name, Carter Hart and all that. <laughs> and Carter got wind of that and said, you know what? Why don't we have the entire class to practice? And so he arranged it, set it up, and obviously got help from the Flyers public relations staff, and they brought the class to practice. So oh, I mean, he, he just does these these things that um, I wouldn't think of, you know, and he's he's twenty twenty one and uh, and now, you know, he's just, he's just a great kid. So easy to root for and very detail oriented. You know, he's, he's not one of these guys who's just a great guy. And because he's a great guy, I'm saying he's a great goalie. He's a, he's a great goalie. He has the potential to be a great NHL goalie. He's been a great goalie at every level he's played so far. And uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But off to a really good start. He's looked very sharp so far. He's going to get a full season at the NHL. He's, you know, never had that before. So there's still some unknown territory here. But uh, if uh, character and, and um, work ethic and any of that have anything to do with it and talent, uh, he's going to have a good year. And the Flyers should be in real good shape in a position they want to be in good shape in for quite a long time. And it's nice, too, because we also have, you know, Brian Elliott in front of him as well as a veteran goaltender. You know, gives him a little more reassurement, too, you know, if he has any he questions. Does, he does. Or... And, you know, the NHL now isn't about a 60-20 split anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple teams that might do that. But uh, unless things really go arrive from an injury standpoint you're going to look at more of a 50 30 split probably yep. uh, maybe even into the 40s for carter because they just don't want to wear goalies down if you saw it happen with tuka rask last year with boston i mean he was actually outplayed by yara halak during the regular season but um they were always playing and going to rask in the playoffs but they didn't give him nearly as many games as in years past and even though his season wasn't that great his regular season once the playoffs rolled around he he was outstanding, and they think it's because he didn't play as many games and because uh, Halak gave him so many nights off. So you're seeing more and more of that. I, I think it would probably be more like 55, that kind of split, 55 maybe for Carter. And, of course, this is if everybody stays healthy. So uh, as we found out last year, there can be a lot of goalies that can move <laughs> oh, in. Oh, yeah. Here. Yeah, so hopefully everybody stays healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, TJ, do you have anything else? Yeah, Jim, I, you guys are getting ready to go to Switzerland and Czech Republic, right? And I didn't know this, and it, you can confirm it. I ran into my dad at the grocery store the other day, and I guess he heard it on the Phillies game that you've never been outside of North America. Is that correct? No. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I technically touched Mexico on my honeymoon. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> that is it. I mean, I've been to Canada a zillion times, but I've never been out of uh, North America, never been overseas. Um, my daughter's much more worldly than I, and she's 22, mm-hmm. so – um, she's been all over the place over there, but I, I have, uh, little or no knowledge of, uh, where we're going. I'm doing some research on, on Switzerland and the Czech Republic and Prague in particular, but 
but it's uh, gonna be it's gonna be interesting. That's for sure. <laughs> and now talking about the Czech Republic, is it true that Jake Vorchek had to get seventy tickets? Well, I mean, he, so he told me. I don't know if he had to. Yeah. But he, he, he did. He's really looking forward to it. Um, in particular, I think his grandmother might be able to see him play. And there's yeah. there's just all kinds of uh, excitement levels there. So I don't think he's too worried about the amount because it is hefty. I'm sure that's a hefty ticket. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, but I, I'm sure he considers it worth it. This is uh, really going to be a huge, huge uh, event, huge deal for Jake. So, um He's clad knows about a half hour from Prague from what Jake told me. So he's, and he's played a zillion times in that rink. So um, it, it, it's going to be a, a big, big, big deal for Jake. No doubt about it. It's, and I, Mike, you got anything else or? Nope. I, you... I got, I got, I got three more questions. Is that all right, Jim? <laughs> sure. What do you got? All right. I got, uh, what was the emotion like, you know, sitting next to Harry Callis in 2008 world series call? Well, everyone asked me my favorite, moment in broadcasting that's an mm-hmm. obvious question i get asked a lot and in baseball it really is a moment i didn't call i mean being mm-hmm. sitting next to harry for that call was the and still is my top moment as a baseball broadcaster because this is an icon who had not been able to call the 1980 world series yeah. due to blackout restrictions even though they did do a a post call then he put his voice to the call, but that was not actually calling it. Um, mm-hmm. So this was his first and uh, only uh, attempt at it. And he nails this call and there's tears coming out of his eyes and wheels is going crazy in the background. And I mean, I'm just sitting on the other side of the camera from that shot where you see wheels doing w- what became known as the wheeler mm-hmm. when uh, he was uh, <laughs> not saying a word, not stepping on Harry's call at all, even though he was uh, throwing his arms left and right and all that. And then if you, you notice the wheels goes to high five after he gets done with his dance, that's T-Mac and I were over there on the other side and he was, he was high fiving us, but uh, it was a, a very special moment. I mean, Harry's uh, probably right there with it was being on the float with him in the parade and listening to the Harry, Harry, Harry chants, yeah. uh, just cascading off the buildings. And, um, and he was just overwhelmed by it uh, those those are two of the moments I remember most from the whole 08 uh, season for sure. And uh, as far as a baseball memory, it's it's kind of odd because I, I wasn't my call, but it was uh, yeah. sitting there and then going on the air right after him. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was spectacular. And then last but not least, I got you know 2010 when when the Flyers made the run to the Stanley Cup. You know, gives against Boston game four, Simone Gagne scores you know, to send it in the fourth game. Right. right. Did you guys, did you guys have a feeling inside knowing or thinking that they were going to pull it out that series? <laughs> Not at all. Okay. In fact, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I said, which makes me seem like I was a genius, but yep. I was kind of saying it tongue in cheek, but anyhow, I was at the ballpark for, for that game. Okay. I was doing Phillies because that was uh, a national game. Yeah. And uh, I was not assigned uh, anything for pre and post for that game. So mm-hmm. uh, I was doing the Phillies and the Phillies game had ended. So the Flyers game had, had gone uh, later than the Phillies game. So I was actually in the press box, right? That same seat where I was sitting when Harry made the call. <laughs> and I was watching on the little TV we have in the, the booth and I watched him score the goal. And I remember turning to the engineer who was still there and, and saying, well, because I, you know, if, if the Flyers lose that game, I'm back to just doing baseball for the next four months, and my my summer has kind of started. 
um, when, when he scored, I looked at him and I said, well, they won this game. Might as well go win the series. <laughs> <laughs> and little did I know they were going to do what uh, only, what, two or three other teams, three other teams yeah. at that point. Uh, actually, two other teams had done it at that point. And now four teams have done it, of course. But uh, uh, it, it was just an incredible run. Uh, game seven in Boston, fall behind 3 nothing. Are you kidding me? It's just... You know, one of those magical Avulette timeouts, and um, also they get this dirty goal from Van Riemsdyk to get the comeback started, and then Simone ends, ends up getting the, the winner. You can't make that stuff up. And, yeah. you know, they got into the playoffs that year at a shootout win over the Rangers. I mean, it, it yeah. was just one of those magical kind of runs. Um, it's really, they haven't had one since. I mean, they, they did win a round the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been tough for the Flyers here without a playoff series win uh, since uh, what 2012 so uh, it's it's been a while and they they you know they've got to they got to get to the point where the only way you develop that um, craziness in your fan base is a playoff run if you're in the NBA the NHL or uh, to some degree in major league baseball obviously football is different it's uh, it's the you know it's once a week everybody follows it but the other three sports we have the, the best of seven series and so forth you go on a run you you create lots of energy for your franchise that you can live off of for a year or two mm-hmm. or three, and um, without one, it's tough. And the Flyers right now, uh, they need one. Absolutely. And the thing that I like about the Flyers is that, and and Ron Hextall is largely responsible for this, even though he's not here anymore. I mean, he, he's mm-hmm. put a whole bunch of prospects into the coffers here. And, and did so and gave them some room with the salary cap so they can go out and get a Kevin Hayes. Who they, some people say they overpaid, but I, I'm telling you, watching him play, if hockey is not all about points, I kind of have to tell this to my, my son and everybody from time to time. You know, it, it, certainly you, gotta, you have to get some points. But Kevin Hayes is not going to lead the league in scoring. But he's going to do a lot of things, and I can see it already from some of these preseason games that help win hockey games that don't necessarily show up in the box score. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Um, he, he, I don't know if they overpaid in, in two years, if the, and there's going to be a new TV deal and the salary cap's probably going to go up pretty, pretty substantially from what I'm hearing, it might not be such a big contract. And I, I think that, uh, he's going to really help this team. They have strength size now down the middle, and that's huge in the NHL and, um, they have a goaltender and, uh, they have a, a young defense core with some veterans mixed in. This team could pop this year. I mean, they yeah. really could, they, they got to stay healthy. They have a, veteran proven regular season proven head coach and he's taken two teams to the finals so he's certainly won his share of playoff series so there's a lot to be excited about i don't get the sense that right now the fan base is like thinking hey this is team's ready to pop but uh it could and uh we'll see um there's got obviously the patrick injury is kind of an early setback if it's a long-term thing but uh because i think they were thinking of him as a third line center who could really maybe develop there and become even more than that is he and, and that would give them three big center icemen. But, um, well, you know, you're going to have injuries, so you got to move through that. But they have the goalie. They have lots of good young talent. They still have some really hungry and talented veterans. And they have more size now, which they needed. And they have a, a, an experienced coach. So they have a lot of the, the tools you need to, to, to go on a run. We'll see if they can do it. I and, and, Jim, I almost, I almost feel one thing, you know, is – the back end, you know what I mean? You're, you, we, got the, we got the goalie, but we don't hear much about the defensive core. I, I feel like it's the, we're underrated, to be honest with you. Well, for a long time, the, the talk in the NHL was how talented the Flyers were back there from a youth standpoint, not from guys mm-hmm. who were necessarily here. And that was when Proveroff and Sanheim and, 
and uh, Ghost was just getting here, and those other guys were were still uh, still in the junior ranks or just getting here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Phil Myers comes out of nowhere and looks like he could be a really great player. And I got news for you: Igor Zamula, who is another undrafted player who they signed last year, was one of their best defensemen in camp this year. He, he's he's another one down the road. And then and then he drafted another defenseman, Cam York. So they have a plethora of young D, but you have to have veterans back there. You can't have all young guys. Last yeah. year, I think too much of a slant toward youth. Now they've got Braun and Niskanen short-term deals. I mean, one year left on Braun's, two years left on Niskanen. So these are not guys who are going to break your bank and, and, you know, handicap your cap down the uh, you know, three, four, five years into the future. And yet there are guys still in their, you know, the, the, their early 30s. They're not 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they still have some hockey in them and they're leaders. So I think that was really a great a really good job by Chuck Fletcher to get the two veteran and right-handed shots, left-handed shot mixture on D, which the Flyers have never had since I've been here. So uh, that helps a lot, having a lefty and a righty out there at the same time. Um, so Chuck Fletcher didn't go out there outside of the Hayes move, which did get a lot of attention. He didn't go out there, you know, he didn't get Panarin, he didn't didn't get Carlson and all that, but he he made some moves that are subtly, I think, going to really help this team. And the D, those, those two veterans – as long as they can stay healthy, um, will we'll be big additions. I think that'll help Provorov uh, get back to where he was. Sandheim's development should continue. Hopefully they can get Ghost back. They're actually going to have too many back there. <laughs> They're actually, if everybody's healthy, mm-hmm. they may have to move somebody. But uh, it, it is a, a talented group, and now it's a mixture of veterans and, and young guys. It's not just all pretty much young guys. Uh, the veterans they had before Andrew McDonald was he wasn't playing regularly. You have to have veterans who are playing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Niskanen and Braun are going to play. Nice. So it's going to be great to watch that too, especially for like you said, we got him for a good deal, and you know we didn't. I don't think we really needed Eric Carlson for how much he really wanted and what he only get no, another, another year think, or two. I don't think they were ever in the running for him. I don't think again they've got a, a dynamic offensive defenseman already in mm-hmm. Ghost and. Cam York's got some of that potential too down the road. And, um, you know, you've got other guys who can say Provorov can certainly contribute offensively, Sanheim uh, and Phil Myers. I mean, they, there was no need for, for Carlson. I didn't think it. Panarin, anybody would have loved to add him, have him. But, you know, where their cap situation was, probably not a great fit here, um, uh, you know, so on that side and so forth. So it, it's, hey, you, can, you can't have everybody. And, um, Guy who's going to help more from a, a hockey standpoint in terms of uh, a lot of the underlying features of, of the game as opposed to a high scoring. I mean, they've got Claude Giroux scores with the best of them. I mean, there's only a couple guys in the league who have more points than Claude over the last yeah. nine yeah, years. He's so, consistently um, up there. I mean, Boracek can, yeah, they have, they have talent. They have young talent in the forward ranks that, that are, you know, obviously connecting still young. And then you're talking about Farabee and Frost and Radcliffe. So that, really, Hexy did a really good job of, of stockpiling this team with really good young talent. They already have some talented veterans. They've missed the goaltender. They might have that now. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it really could be a, a fun year. It's just a matter of health always and whether that old chemistry thing comes together. You can never you never figure that out until you watch it it's all. Buy, buy it. That's the joy of buying into a system. Got to do it. That's literally it. Yeah. <laughs> that's part of it but other than that tj got anything else no i'm good i just uh, jim thanks for coming on taking time out to uh speak with us it, it means a lot yeah thank you my pleasure guys but have a good one jim and now i have now i know how to get out of <laughs> this is good i've got the 
They've got the awesome. app and everything. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Have a good guys. one, Jim. Yep. Yep. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. So I guess when uh, that it, that's the best thing to even say, man, it's just like his perspective for our season upcoming, the guys that we have on the team. It's just it's phenomenal to hear his, you know, his end. Oh, it's it's it, sorry, Lane. I just walked in. No, no, it's, it's it's awesome, man. Just to, you know, just to, you know, hear his perspective on the game and, you know, the team and it's he firsthand sees everything. So it's like, you know. Me being a fan, you know, a diehard fan, I say they're going to the cup every year. You know what I mean? They got to go. But hearing his perspective, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's reassuring and knowing like what this team has and what they have to offer, you know? But it's also like, he also just kind of said, like when he came to work for Philadelphia, like it's kind of one of those, like what you wouldn't work for a city that truly loves their team. Like it's not like one of those, like, ah, well, we're just here for the show. It's like, mm-hmm. no, man, like Philly fans, yeah, we're obnoxious occasionally. Well, a lot of times. Yeah. But but same time, it's just we truly love our sports. Like, we care about our teams. Like, when we get a new rookie, we literally look up everything about him, where he came from, where was he born. All right, maybe not that creepy, but, you know, it, I don't know, man. We just care about every single player, and especially with the Carter Hart story. Mm-hmm. That's, it's pretty sad I didn't know that uh, with his number, but, you know. No, you, learn, you learn something new every day. That's awesome, though. I mean, it's 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 guys like him to take take time out and you know meet with meet with kids that are unfortunately sick and don't don't have the best things going for them. And you know, you you get guys like Carter Hart, and, you know, like Wayne Simmons and Jake Voracek and those guys basically taking you know their time out of their day to go make these fit, make these kids feel better. And it's just it, these kids literally, even if it's for five minutes, Mike. Mm-hmm. These, these these kids forget about their illness or everything in the world just to meet their hero, and that's that's what's awesome. And you know what, man? Like that that's what I mean. It's just even if you take five minutes out, he took twenty to twenty five, and then mm-hmm. you got Wayne trained. Even like I'm telling you, man, it's always the guys that people think that like they're like mm-hmm. the biggest goons off the ice. They're the nicest guys, absolutely, because like, they just get it. They know what it's like to sacrifice to like make a team. Since they literally mm-hmm. get. You know what I mean? They sacrifice every day. So I don't know, man. And you know what's funny? I read a article um, on Jim where when he was young, his dad was a veterinarian. Yep. And his mom and his dad wanted him to follow his dad's footsteps, but obviously he didn't want to because he has such a passion for. <laughs> thank, thank <sports>. God. <laughs> you know <laughs> thank, what I mean? Exactly. Thank, thank God Jim didn't do that. <laughs> but it's nice to also hear about. You know, we just had Lauren Hart on, and mm-hmm. he touched on Gene and the legacy Gene left behind. And it's like twenty years being a you know play-by-play announcer and it's like yeah i would love to see jim surpass that you know god rest gene soul it's just yeah he does such a good job for the organization now and even for the phillies he he's a phenomenal announcer yeah and you you get you know famous announcers in cities you know through the sports teams you got you know mark zoom off with the sixers you got harry callis with the phillies you know Mm -hmm. uh i'm drawing a blank here if you ask me, MLS team not happening. No, no, no. The Eagles, uh, Merle Reese. You got Merle Reese with the Eagles, and you know the Flyers are obviously Gene Hart and Jim Jackson. You know what I yep. mean? It's, it's just he, he's an icon. And it's he, funny too, not to interrupt you with mm-hmm. Jim. It, he said he's what twenty six years with with uh, the, with the Flyers. I believe, yeah. 
put it this way, he's been with the Flyers longer than I've been born. So ever since I was able to hear hockey, it was his voice was the only voice I've been listening to. Dude, I've been 12, 12 years old when he came. Yep. It's yeah. crazy to think about that. 12. And it's, it's insane, you know, listening to this guy my whole life. And, and you know, you and I start a podcast and it's like, hey, Jim, you want to come on? Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's it's, all, it's it's awesome. He 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 was at our our like he was basically where we were at one mm-hmm. age. You know, like yeah. he, he he's a down to earth guy. Like he gets it. You know, you everyone starts from somewhere. And no, it's, it's just kind of like he. Uh, go ahead. It's like so, it's like it's like he said. You know, he spends nine to ten hours researching. Like, dude, I Mike, I'm 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 not exaggerating when I tell you this. Like, I was literally fucking shitting myself looking up stuff about him. You know what I mean? Like. Right, like right now, I have so many questions to ask him, but it's like, it's like you don't want to ask too much. You don't want to ask the wrong yep. thing. You know what I mean? So it's I had extra questions I want to ask. Like mm-hmm. even like um, it's it's like you know when it comes to the term Broad Street Bullies for us. Like, mm-hmm. do you think we have any players like that right now? And mm-hmm. like I, I just didn't have any time to throw it in there. But at the same time, it's yeah, it is what it is. You know, like it was just yeah. cool just to talk to him. Mm-hmm. But hey. Uh, real quick, let's talk about a little bit of Goodwood hockey. You know, let's change that Absolutely. a bit. Yeah, yeah, so, sure. Uh, when it comes to your hockey merchandise, everyone should obviously go check out GoodwoodHockey.com. Um, our friend Kelly has partnered up with Team USA gold medal winner John Schiavo to create a brand that gives back. Uh, for us at Dusty Dimes, we obviously love to hear about positivity that they spread with their merchandise. So if you guys want to help out, um, other people that truly don't have a lot, you guys should go to goodwoodhockey.com, purchase yourself a Score Nebula t-shirt. They come in adult or youth sizes. And the cool part is a portion of each uh, – or a portion of the proceeds, excuse me, will go directly to those in need of clean water. So, yeah, you guys should definitely go give that a look. Also, um, if you guys go to goodwoodhockey.com, they have another tab about John Chiavo's um, page. that He also has his own line of – merchandise out hockey pucks um so yeah go to goodwoodhockey.com and they give you the whole rundown on that but other than that how was your week man like hockey wise talk about games uh, i don't even i i can't <laughs> oh i i really I, I, can. I, I really can't because it's let's talk about that gerbil come on uh, it's fun i just mike <laughs> it's you know like my you put him on my wheel and just let him run my kids that I coach listen to this, and they know like I have so much to say about. Oh Sunday's yeah, so do game. mine. I just found out my kids listen to this too. They, I literally walked in and they were like, "Dusty Don." I literally walked right the hell out. I was like, it's, "Oh no!" It's it, it, it. I won't go into detail of you know what I really think, but I said it time and time again. You know what I mean? It's you got to get refs that want to be there. Other than other than getting a paycheck, I, I just I, I can't, Mike, because I don't want to get myself in trouble. <laughs> oh, you won't, but I'll say something. So okay. <laughs> I, I can't fucking stand these refs. It's like the one game, right? My mm-hmm. kid has his numbers completely just shown. Mm-hmm. Kid gets blown up from behind, doesn't call it, and I'm just like, just dumbfounded by this. I'm like thinking, I'm looking at this ref that like he has four heads. I was like, Rossi, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, how is that not hitting from behind? Oh, well, he turned last second. Whatever. Even if he did, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So, I had the same exact official next day. Comes up to me, you know, shooting the shit. And, like, you know, I think he's a nice guy. I didn't really give him a hard time. 
And um, I told my guys point, I was like, listen, no one talked to him. This guy's a dickhead. Like, mm-hmm. just let it go. And um, anyway, I think it was like second and third period. And all of a sudden, my kids basically do the same thing. But this kid literally turned. We Like, you see it slow-mo. Turn. My yep. kid slows up. He stops skating. And he basically, it wasn't a hard hit, but he pushed him against. The kid didn't brace himself. Yeah. Kid eats shit. We get a two and ten. And I lose my shit. I was like, how the fuck are you not going to call that yesterday? But today, that's a penalty. He looks at me. His excuse was, it's a new day. Oh, pff, a new day? What do you mean? It's in fucking ink. It doesn't change the rule if it's in ink. Like, yeah. You can't just go around and hitting kids from behind. And yet, yesterday, that's not a penalty. Today, it is. Like, inconsistent. One thing, I will means. Say, one thing I will say, Mike, is I read something – on I saw it on Twitter is you know it, these guys are having officials you know training the same day and then the same day they're jumping on the ice to do a game that makes zero sense it How? makes it makes no sense at all kids are gonna get hurt you're gonna get you I get it I get it you're in a shortage I understand can we you know what I mean? can, it's almost like one of those things like you ever like when you play men's league right mm-hmm. like we'll talk about this because it's monday men's league monday we'll we'll go with that one right that's fine yeah all right so it's like when you get a brand new young ref like mm-hmm. almost like an 18 year old first men's league game ever and shit starts to go down this kid looks like he's about to hop off the ice before anyone else like it's i remember one time a little scrum broke out this you have like this old fart basically like he looks like he's about i hate saying he looks like he's about to croak Yep, roughing our game. He's the one in between this huge scrum. The little kid, like this eighteen-year-old, is just nowhere to be found. Just meh, no, let him go. Like I don't have anything to do it. Oh my god, man! And yet he still gets sixty-five dollars. Well, I found out these refs that do our games get eighty dollars a game. Oh, cool. GFM, go fuck myself. Yeah. I, I do. I don't know, man. I, I just don't get it. it I it's... just I, and I I feel bad. I I really do for. My kids, you know what I mean, for the debacle that happened on Sunday. I really do because they literally had a game stolen and taken from them from the officials. And it was, you know, you know how I'm hard on the refs. I, I get it, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm passionate about my kids, you know what I mean, and their safety and, you know, the, the game. Like, I know the game, man. I'm not. I say this to my kids all the time. Like, I don't tell you stuff just to tell you, like, hey, I read a coaching book. I know it. No, I know it. You know what I mean? And I said this to the ref, and he, like, looked at me, and I'm like, you're calling a horrible game. You know, he – and I'll go into it. I don't I don't care anymore. Yep. Let it rip. So, you know, there was a scrum around my goalie's net. You know, puck was under my goalie. They tried pitchforking my goalie into the net. The ref's out of position. My my wife's literally on the goal line in the stands, and she even said she, puck never crossed the line. Ref ref said it went in when it never did. I said regardless, and the ref came over. I said regardless of if it went in or not, I said you can't pitchfork a goalie. You can't. It's 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 interference. He goes, oh, is it? I'm like, you. I I, I almost I lost my mind. Mike. I'm like, <laughs> is it now? And, yeah, and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So then we're we're fast forwarding, right? Yeah. This that that goal that they gave them gave them a three two lead, which it shouldn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. My kids, you know, frustrated, flustered, whatever. I told him, listen, we gotta buckle down. We got it. We gotta get this. So I pull my goalie. One minute left in a game, 
possession for a minute, right? Puck goes behind the net. My kid, Jack Meyer, takes the puck out of the kid's skates, right? Carries the puck for literally about a second or two. Throws it out in front. We score. The ref points to the goal and says it's in, right? Mike, I swear to Christ, three to four seconds later, the other ref is waving the goal off. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I Listen, I get it if you want to call a penalty after the goal, but my kids are celebrating and going back to center ice, and then he decides to fucking call a new goal. Right? Mike- I, 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 he came to the box or he came there and I asked him his explanation. He goes, he cross-checked him. I go, how is he going to cross-check him with both hands on his stick when his stick was on the ice and he has the puck on his stick? And then my question would be too, is like, would you blow the play dead immediately since you have exactly. possession? Exactly. Exactly. Hmm, right. Weird. So then, then, you know, my one guy, you know, dumps the guy off the face off with 1.6 left, you know, it was just, it was bullshit. Right. They come to the scores box and I wish I was Mike. I told you this yesterday. I told you, I wish I was making it up. I really do. Both refs look at each other and go, do you know who took that penalty? <laughs> They're looking at the scorekeeper. Do you know who took that penalty? They go, yeah, number 15. I go dummy. I said, number 15's in the box already. I'm like, how are you going to give him a penalty for being on the ice? They knew nothing that was going on. They knew nothing, right? So then both coaches signed the score sheet, right? I go in the locker room, talk to my kids, come out, I'm waiting for the score sheet. I find out the refs take the score sheet into the locker room with them to get undressed and changed, and they're scratching stuff off and putting new stuff on. How, how is that allowed? It's not. Once the game's over, it's finalized. It's over. It's over and done with, man. And, like – I just I can't I it's, it's week after week after. I'm week. telling you, and the worst part is these refs are shady, man. Like I, this happened. I'll discuss my team too, where I had yeah. a few incidents where um, I had one kid, right? He had mm-hmm. to serve the two minutes for another kid that took a two and ten, and he got a charging call where he just fucking blew this kid up, blew him up. Puck was in the kid's feet though. Didn't he wasn't? He took two strides, stopped skating, just blew mm. him up. Yeah, he got, he got a charging call, got two and ten, right? Well, they try to give him a game misconduct, and you know they gave him they they put down a five and a ten instead of a two and ten. And I'm thinking to myself, a charging call that's not a five and a ten. It's not a major. So, right away, my manager luckily, um, you know, realized, and it's it's just the fact that like these refs are so inconsistent and actually dog shit. Like Ray Charles could probably ref, you know, a little better than them. Like, it's Dude, just... you, you you talk about inconsistency. I'm sorry for cutting you. I, You're good. I just, you know, it, this whole thing with the unsportsmanlike with the tapping on the boards. You know, I you got ref at week after week having a different explanation, right? You look up the rule and it says everything. Yep. You tap on the boards, everything. Before the game, right, on Sunday, their team's hitting the boards. No call. Their guy hits one of my guys, hits the board. No call. He goes, I called the ref over. I said it. And he goes, it's to our discretion. I like, should just print that out and it, show is, them every time for a game. Is it your discretion or is it USA Hockey? Because you guys are supposed to be implementing the rule of unsportsmanlike. And, and it's not being called. You know, the first week that we had this rule in effect, my kid comes to the bench, kicks the boards after the other team hit the boards on the, on the you know, with their sticks. My guy gets penalized for for kicking the board. Like, I get it. He shouldn't be doing that, but 
it's inconsistency, man. Yep. Trust it me. Really, it really is. Like, I, I tell you this, I'm, I, I can't preach this. I let the pe- – I, I, it's adults and kids and young kids. I let them play, man. I, I tell them, I, you're going to play. I'm going to let you play until you're an asshole. Yeah. Then, then I'm going to start calling stuff. Until then, I'm not dictating the game. I'm not here to dictate the, the final score you guys are, which should be, you know, implemented in this USA hockey coaching. Like, you, you, they tell you to let the kids play, and you try to take things in your own hands. Like, the, the poor guy couldn't even skate on Sunday that wrecked our game. <laughs> like, like, I looked at him, and I, I told him. Like, I, I looked at the guy when we had the discussion. I go, I know the rules better than you do. He looked at me. I go, let me give you one better. I said, my eight-year-old over there knows the rules better than you do. And he's like, really? I go, yeah, absolutely. You want me to call him over and he'll explain it to you? Like, it's just – it's ridiculous, man. It's it's week after week after week. And, you know, it, it, these guys are going to let it go until someone gets hurt and it's going to be too late. You know what kills me? All right. Not to – we're going to change the subject a little bit on the, the ref. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, hey, you're fine. You're fine. But it's kind of – we'll go back to my team where they have a tendency where they think they're playing baseball. You know, the last, like – 30 seconds of the game. This happened two weeks in a row. Your team? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, my team has, you know, we have depth on our team where we can definitely go far. And it, it's one of those things that they either come out, they set the tempo, and they look phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Or they look extremely flat. And they, like, this weekend, I've never seen them. i never played for a team, worked for a team, or seen a team ever come out flat, stay flat the entire game. Luckily, we played a bad team, and we, we barely won that. And, yep. you know, my goaltending goal situation, two phenomenal goaltenders, like, and the issue is I can play either or. Yeah. And, and that's the shitty part. Like, I don't have one that just outshines the other. It's like both are double-A, triple-A goalies playing A for some reason. But anyway, so my defenseman, for some reason, when the puck's, like, up in the air – Right yep. in front of my net, they want to, like, jump up and grab it instead of just letting it go behind them let the goalie just grab it. So, you know, last week, uh, I think we were – oh, no, it was two weeks ago. We were up 2-1, mm-hmm. 6.4 seconds left. One of my kids jumps up, goes off his fingertips, off my goalie's helmet and in. And they tie it uh, 2-2 with, like, I don't know, a couple seconds left. We ended up uh, winning. but Or, no, we ended up tying because no one scored that at the end of it. And okay. um, then this past week, one of my, my defensemen, again, did the same thing with, like, maybe a minute left. And he just looks at me, and I was like, I'm not going to say it. Like, it's one of those things, like, if you're a defenseman and you only have a couple minutes left or a couple seconds left, just let the puck go through. Don't yeah. try to grab everything. I mean, I get it. You're trying to block stuff and, like, you know, try to, like, you know, keep it away from a goaltender. But you never know when it's going to take an ugly deflection off your fingertips, off your stick, or, like, just off your shin guards and just go in. So it's one of those things, like, if you see a puck coming through and, like, someone's just screening, just move the guy screening. Don't try to block the shot all the time. And that, that's one of the things I have to preach. And, I mean, I know definitely other kids, like, see it, and especially at a young age where everyone thinks that they can just, you know, be the next Michael Jordan, jump three, you know, go four feet in the air and grab this puck. It's like, dude, just let it go. I, I, you know me, man. Don't do something you're not you're not capable, capable of doing. doing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Let it let it hit the goalie. Let him stop, and he's got the padding on. And that, I mean, like, especially if, if you have if, two if, good if, goalies. Yeah, if you're gonna block a shot, let it be from the point, not two feet from the net. Yep. And you know, 
it's like I have – I don't really have any issues within my team because now we're starting to come around and, like, you know, play as one. Like, we had a couple of guys that had bad habits, I should say, where they, like, yeah. to go end-to-end or, you know, they – and, like, they, what I'm saying, like, they want to go end-to-end, go through, like, a one-on-four and then don't yeah. even, like, get a shot off or don't even shoot or, like, pass. Like, they'll get stripped. And yeah. then it just comes back on me and rush. I'm just like, what are you doing? Uh, you know, like that's that's the shit that kills me at a young age. You're just like watching this, and you're like pulling your hair out of the bench. You're like, fuck, you see me during some games. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm snapping. But yeah. but at the same time, it's like whenever I snap on my kids, it's always with re- like you know, it's never personal. It's something that like they know they're not supposed to be doing something because we already talked about it previously, and yet they go yeah. out and do it. And then you're just like, eh, am I talking to a wall or? Yeah. But luckily, I do have a good group of kids. You know, I still have my uh, a handful of my wise guys that are just they crack me up. Like I, I can't stay mad at my guys even if we you know do something stupid because they just come with the stupidest things they say. Like oh not my God. like not even in a bad way. It's just hilarious with some of the stuff that comes out of your mouth. You're just like, what? All right. Like <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty comical to hear these kids. Like even my kids, man. Like. I, I got the kid Eli on my team. His laugh is so contagious. It's funny. It, it's it just, just the, you know, the unity these kids have on and off the ice. It's, it's, it's awesome. You know what I mean? I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to go, you know, to the Columbus state tournament. You find out where yours is at. Uh, to be honest, I uh, haven't really been looking around, but the, no. the coaches have been talking about it. And I, yeah, they, put two and two I, I, I just gave them a link for Lake Placid. They're, they're not going to Lake Placid. There's no way. Us, they they're looking it. They're looking into it for the six, for both sixteens. I think so. Yeah. Hmm. And then you get to play. You get to play at the Olympic the, the Olympic rink and everything. So. Oh, it's not like I haven't played in that rink like thirty fucking times. <laughs> it's like like when I was like playing peewees and I played there, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is unreal. And then like Bantams and like I was like, oh, this is sweet. And then midgets, I was like, oh my god, it hasn't changed. Yeah. So now it's just like it's it like don't get me wrong it's really cool but at the same time once you play it after so many times like oh, I, I mean I think I think it'd be cool to coach and it'd be cool coaching there now yeah, yeah. that'd be cool to say it's like yeah coach yeah. there man like, yeah but uh, yeah man I mean other than that it's I'm looking forward to a season like tonight I got a men's league game finally so I'm pretty pumped nice, for that. nice. yeah we're, we're gonna probably like molly wop this team I think just because every time we play them we put up like 15 goals so yeah. bad. But we always have like those one. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, it, we have the one of these guys on our team that the try hard that doesn't pass the puck, shoots instead, but still misses like four feet wide. Oh, nice. Yeah, the, I never passed him, and he always comes back to bed. He's like, Mike, I'm always open, and I'm like, I know. <laughs> I just still never give him the look. Like I just. Uh, so it's a Nikita. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh hey i mean real quick if we're gonna end this on a good note let's talk about bare beards you know for a lot of people the season is upon us so you might as well start growing those beards back out unlike me i can't grow one you know my 14 year old looking face but for the people who can go check out bare beards on facebook and let let us know what you guys think and um let let them know you guys listen to dusty dimes as well they'll also give you 10 percent off promo code um if you guys want to purchase anything uh, such as like beard oil, beard balm, chapstick, combs. They even have some merch. Um, go to Etsy.com and then just type in B-A-R-E beards and then let us know what you guys think. 
Yeah, and the guys go. Uh, we we just want to thank AT8 Hockey for being a sponsor. They they've been with us almost what from day one as well. Yep. You know the guys are awesome. Go check out. They got sticks, gloves, uh, shirts, hats, whatever you need. Go check them out at uh, AT8 Hockey on Instagram and Facebook as well. Go give them a follow. Tell them we sent you. Also want to give a shout out to uh, Dangle Productions. Uh, if you guys need your jerseys for men's league, kids, whatever you need, go check them out at Dangle Productions. Um, tell them that Dusty Dime sent you ask for Jake. Jake will help you out with your uh, jersey needs. And last but not least, uh, we want to thank Rink Rat Hockey as well. Go give Rink Rat Hockey a follow on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, I, I don't know if they're on Twitter yet, but on Twitter, I have to ask, but uh, if you guys want to get wheels, uh, you're wheeling around the rink on uh, some rink rat wheels, identities, uh, go check them out. And if you're going to buy wheels, put in the promo code Dusty Dimes. And uh, before we end on a good note here, we are partnered up with a new sponsor, Gotta Hockey. Um, we will have t-shirts coming out with Gotta Hockey um, tagged along with that. Uh, that'll be coming out soon. We'll, get, we'll keep you guys posted on our Instagram, Dusty Dimes 1256. Other than that, hope everyone enjoyed our uh, show today and stay dusty. Stay dusty.